0: Hey, everybody. Grab your pencil and your journal and your Bible and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara. I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week and we talk through truth and scripture. And we are diving into 1st and 2nd Thessalonians in this episode. And I had no idea what we would even begin to talk about with 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. They're great books, but I just, I had nothing to say about it. But this episode ended up being just so full. Um, We talk through, you know, eternal perspective and how to live our days with not just eternal perspective, but with meaning and how our day-to-day lives do have meaning and what does it actually mean in a practical sense of how to do things unto the Lord, whether it's you know washing your dishes or raising kids or going to work day in and day out. I personally really enjoyed this conversation. It was a fun one for me, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hello, Kara, are you there? I'm here. Um, I was just thinking that. I mean, just to jump on right in, it says, "Therefore, encourage one another with these words." I was thinking, what words?
0: What what are these words? The, the words is the Lord is going to come back, and oh. um, he's going to come back, and he's going to bring the people that maybe have died before the Lord's return. With him, and then the people that remain will be caught up in the air with him. And he'll, it's called the rapture. Caught um, up in the air. Caught that's up a funny, in the it's air. It's just
1: a funny little concept. Do you think that's literally what's going to happen? That we will literally be in
0: the air? Our spirits? I literally do.
1: Like, you think the sky is going to be filled with our spirits? Like, do you think like the people who are here on earth will see us? Or do you think it's like how we can't see the spiritual realm?
0: Oh, no. I think it says every eye will see him. I think when he comes we We'll see back, him, but what about us in this floating in the sky? Well, we're going to be with him. I do believe that we are with him. I don't know that if is we're— That crazy. I know. I don't know if it's <laughs> the literally body or a spiritual body, but, you know, when Jesus— Well, I assume it's
1: just spiritual came, body.
0: Yeah, oh, of course it's our spiritual body. But I'm just saying, you know, when Jesus came back after the resurrection, the disciples recognized him. So I think it's literally his— Body. He showed True. him the scars on his hands, and he ate with them. And so it, it really was a physical body, but it was also his resurrected body. So I think that when we appear with him, either in the air or when we come back, we've already died and gone to heaven, and now we're coming back with him. I don't know, uh, but well, I do believe course. that uh, it means that our bodies will be th- with him. And absent from the body and present with the Lord, so whether or not it's our that will be a sight to see. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, you know, I think about you know it's getting close to November and December, and we're going to be no. It is November today. Is November second, and like I said, it's going to be November. Like today (laughs) is November the second, and and we're facing you know Christmas, and that was his first coming. And then we're sitting today talking about his second, his second coming. coming. And uh, really putting you know, the we're putting the cart before the horse. Wait. Well, yeah, that's right. No. I the know,
1: cart I'm just is kidding. Kidding. come.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I just think it's fun to think about, you know, we're celebrating his first coming, and we're gonna be celebrating his second coming, and we should think about the fact that the Lord's gonna come back. As a matter of fact, that's what first Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians is. That's Paul writing to the church and trying to encourage them and saying, hey, listen, you followers of Jesus, you've given your life, and as you see all around you, persecution and people are dying and beaten and all of this stuff, don't look around. Don't Don't let that bother you, even though, obviously, humanly, it would bother you. But he was saying, remember, this is not all to life. Like, this is just temporary. And we're going to have eternal life with Jesus, he's going to come back and we're going to be with him forever and all this is going to pass away. And so Paul was trying to write to this church who was really struggling a little bit because there was a lot of persecution and, he, and a lot of people were decided to follow Jesus. But then after they gave given their life to Jesus, they're seeing all this persecution and people dying for their faith and he was trying to encourage them. But you know what I find so funny, Kara, is that people are just people, Obviously, people are people. Yes, yes, that's a fact. And here's Paul writing to them to say, Now be encouraged because I want you to know that the Lord's coming back. And just remember that. Let that be an encouragement to you. And you won't believe as you read First and 2 Thessalonians what they did, they turned it around and thought, Well, if the Lord's coming back, there's no reason to do anything. Like they didn't even want to work, they didn't want to have jobs. They were just like, We're just going to wait for the Lord to come back. There's no reason. To, there's no purpose behind this. Like, I'm not going to get a retirement. I'm not going to, you know, get a Rolex watch for spending so many years at this company. They're literally thinking, well, the Lord's going to come back. And so, why should I worry about what's going on in this world today? Why should I go to work? Why should I? Well, we shouldn't worry about what's going on in the world today. In terms of, well, I mean, we, we, should we do,
1: but we yeah, should We need to worry we, about but something. But we do. But, yeah. But... Yeah, so they're just thinking like, oh, he's coming like tomorrow, so I'm just going to go ahead and chill.
0: Yeah, I'm just—it yeah. It really is a twist. It's like, you know, you try to tell people like, think about living for eternity. Think about how would you live if you knew that the Lord would come back? And for these people, and when Paul was writing to the church, their thought was— well, I just if he's coming back, I just I just won't work.
1: Well yeah, that's the answer to the question. Like, well, how would you live if you were thought about him coming back? They'd be like, Well, I would
0: just sit here and wait. I'm gonna go do the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not gonna work. I'm not, you know, gonna Yeah. I have no plans. You know, I'm just gonna sit here. And of course we don't know when Jesus is gonna come back. We don't know when this is and Right. That is
1: kinda of funny. Like they didn't take it as motivation to do more things. They took it uh-huh. as I'm um,
0: piecing out. On life, Well, actually, it was an excuse. They used it as an excuse to not fulfill their responsibility. Yeah. So how do you know Isn't that? Funny. That? Because that's what Scripture says. No, I know. But where? Is that in Second? second? Well, mostly in the second Thessalonians. As a matter of fact, Paul even says, if they don't work, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. Mm. He says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's so, a good
1: word. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will say for those listening who are really invested in my bible reading mm-hmm. as as I am it is november 2nd but spoiler we are recording this in october <laughs> so <laughs> i have not caught up yet if anyone was wondering but i am well on my way i'm in ezekiel which i will confess usually i do kind of read through like whatever we're going to be talking about so i have like some kind of frame of reference or you know my mind's on that I did not read First or Second Thessalonians for today because I have been reading so much (laughs) to catch up. Trying to get ahead? Yeah. yeah, No, not trying to get ahead. I'm trying to just like I'm trying to get within a month of where I should be. That's what I'm trying to do. So anyway,
0: well, um, I I admire your perseverance, but I will say this: You're in Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord, and what? Do you think that the church in Thessalonians was really excited about just to the, see glory the glory the of the Lord? That's right. So you're kind of together here a little bit. Well, it's all the Bible.
1: It's the same story. It's just different parts of the story. But it was, I was like, because I'm reading fast.
0: Mm, I'm, sure you <laughs> I'm not
1: digesting a ton of Jeremiah mm-hmm. and Ezekiel, which not like I usually digest a ton of that anyway, because it's just a lot. But I was getting like kind of turned around and this will go into the new Testament. So bear with me, but I was getting a little turned around with like, okay, I was in Jeremiah. He's talking about Jerusalem falling, you know, Babylonian taking, the Babylonians taking over Jerusalem. Then again, to Ezekiel and he's talking about Jerusalem falling. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. what, like I'm just, Jerusalem just needs to fall already. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's just stop talking about it. It did. It did. I know. I'm just kidding. But I was getting a little like, I was confusing myself in a way because I was reading Mm -hmm. it so fast. And I'm like, wait a minute, were they like prophets at the same time? And so anyway, I did a little digging and I saw that kind of toward the end of, which I actually just now learned this. So you can read, you can learn things when you're power reading. That Ezekiel started prophesying, this is supposedly what historians say, when Jeremiah was kind of like 30 years into his, like kind of toward the end of Jeremiah's prophetic, journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. Ezekiel was kind of toward the end. So Jeremiah was more talking about prophesying on j- that the Babylonians coming and Jerusalem falling. And then Ezekiel was more around like when it was actually happening. And then talking, of course, more toward the coming of the Lord, like kind of, he does talk a little bit about that prophecy of Jerusalem falling at that time, but like you're saying, talks a lot about the glory of the Lord and the second—he mm-hmm. com- talks a lot about the second coming and all of that kind of stuff, which it's just so much—it's just so much. It's, just so it's a much. lot to and think I, about, but I, yeah. I
0: think that, that it should be in all of our minds about, you know, the Lord's coming back. Because in reality, as you're talking about all the prophets and all the prophecy and God's judgment on the people that— uh, did not uh, trust him and was not giving their lives to him. And and they were, Isaiah talks about the Messiah. Ezekiel's talking about the Lord coming back. And then, you know, they really should have been ready and expecting the Messiah. But we know that when you get into Matthew, that they're, the well, Pharisees they're should, I should have known, but they didn't. And they weren't really ready for him. But because they had in their mind, of, you know, he's gonna come up and set up his kingdom, even though Jesus said often right. the kingdom of God is here. But but Well and their defense.
1: Say, there have been there's hundreds of years that went by. Yes, so they no, kind of forgot like a little yesterday. Bit. I mean, well yeah. And I mean I just had a friend tell me today, like, hey, what did you do with those sweet potatoes? And I was like, Oh, I totally forgot that I bought those last week. So and those people's defense. I mean enough time goes it, by of you course. forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not sweet potatoes and and sweet yeah. Jesus
0: coming. Yeah, I understand <laughs> where you're going here, but I will say this that they should have known because the Pharisees studied the law. So it wasn't like you just bought a, a bag of sweet potatoes and forgot you had them. They right. that was their life and they taught it and they should have known it and they should have right. had, you know, in the forefront. Okay, on the other hand in the New Testament the writers are encouraging us to say, this isn't all to life. Like, we live every single day like it's as if, you know, what I do today makes an impact, which, of course, we talk about it does, our choices right. make an impact. Day, yeah. but, but what if we did live as if we really believed that Jesus was coming again? What if the Pharisees had really believed that Jesus literally was coming, and they really studied it in a way that was true and didn't go through what they wanted to believe Jesus was going to come or the Messiah and how he would come. But what if they really went with what the Scripture says and was true to the Scriptures, then they wouldn't have missed the Messiah. And and that's kind of what Paul's talking about with uh, to these people. And Thessalonians, he's saying to them, like, look, there's false teachers coming in here. You need to know the truth, and the Lord's going to come back. There's not a day that goes by that's not one day closer to Jesus' return. So we know that Jesus came as a baby. We're going to celebrate that in December. But we should celebrate and look forward to the fact that he's going to come back as faithful as he was to the promise that He's going, the Messiah is going to come, which is where you're reading and realizing that that's, you know, so many things ready are happening. For, yeah. I'm ready for him to come. I'm tired of reading about the fall of all those cities. <laughs> And I'm tired of hearing about how far along you are. But anyway, but I will say this, that, you know, just thinking about that, it it does connect. That's what you're saying. Wow. It all, you know, it's like a story, and it's like God's—the Messiah is coming, and it's connecting. And then there's also, you know, in Isaiah, it talks about, you know, Jesus, you know, the Messiah is suffering, which is what really threw the Pharisees for a loop because they felt like the Messiah would set up his kingdom— uh, even though Jesus said, often the kingdom of God is here, which meant um, the king, Jesus, was there on earth, but they missed him. And I think that what we don't want to do is that we don't want to turn the, the promise that Jesus is coming back and there's hope and there's more to live in than just living for the day. And there's more hope that there's, you know, God's going to come back, and he's going to rescue us, and there's no more sin, there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, all of those things, and, and God promised that. And just as true as he was to his promise, and he came in Matthew and came down on earth, the same is true is that he's going to do that. But ironically, the thing of what I want to say is how they turned a positive biblical truth and switched it to their own benefits and desires and so they wait. Decided, say that again. Well, they twisted it. They, you know, Paul was saying, "Hey, you know, Jesus is going to come back, just as he promised. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but those who are going to be asleep, they'll be called up. You know, uh, we are going to be raptured out. There's more to life than what's you're seeing around you. That's what he's trying to encourage him. Mm-hmm. But they turned it around and used it as an excuse to live." irresponsible. And that's, and that's what they were doing. And so Paul well, had that reminds to write me, the second time.
1: That reminds me a lot about Romans or it reminds me a lot in Romans that, is it six when it talks about why do you keep on sinning? Like mm-hmm. just to sit, like don't abuse grace, basically. It reminds Got me it. a lot of that kind of principle or mentality is probably a better
0: word, but of just that. Well, of like. Well, that was the point of what I was just saying at the very beginning, people are people. I, mean, I know, and, and I'm agreeing with that. For the love. It's just crazy, people. Yeah,
1: like I'm just saying, like, it's, yeah, like it's, you really see that, like, it just, yeah, it reminds me of that. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Paul was feeling the same th- same way. Um, are you really tired of hearing about my Bible reading? I thought you were so, pr- be so proud of me. I am so proud
0: of you, but I would like for you to go on and get with the I know, okay, okay I'm, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay. Um, okay. But what I want to say is this. I want us to talk about how we as believers need to be very, very excited and think about living as if today's not the only day that we've got or that what we see right now and the world that we're in, having this hope that it's going to get better. It's, life is going to get better. And well, and what we think about, I know what you're about to say, doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, there was persecution. It, it was meaning that, We don't want to look at the Scripture and look at it and say, well, my life's going to be better. But we want to say it's going to be better because Jesus is going to be faithful and He's going to do what He says He's going to do. And we should live with an eternal perspective, not to excuse lazy behavior and and not do what we're supposed to do, keep moving and moving forward, but with the hope that this is going to matter. It's going to matter. What we're going to do today matters. So I have two comments.
1: Okay. The first comment is, it reminds me of this quote that I think is John Piper. I'm almost positive it's John Piper. And I'm going to butcher the quote. But ultimately what it says is for the believer, this day, whatever your day, whatever your life is, whatever's going on, like this is as close to hell as we will get. Like it, just like that, what you're saying is Mm -hmm. because we as believers, as followers, if you... Have you know surrendered your life to following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You will be in heaven with Him. So as like it can't, it won't be worse for you because you will be in heaven. In terms of mm-hmm. your life on Earth, is the closest to hell that you will ever experience. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that quote, which I when I first heard That's it, I was quote. like, mm-hmm. "Well, he said it a lot more eloquent." Yeah, I, I'm sure but that because it was like in you know a few words, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, like it, I mean, I read that years ago, so I don't even know where it was from or where I saw it. But it was, it, I do remember it was John Piper, and it stuck with me all these years because it's that perspective of like,
0: but only to a believer, only to a only to Jesus. exactly
1: that's what that's the point, and I think not the point, but that was yeah,
0: the, the emphasis the
1: crux of it, yeah, where, <laughs> but like as horrible as and it some people do live in. Earthly hell in terms of, you Mm -hmm. know, what people have to walk through. There's situations that I cannot even imagine having to walk through. But there's the hope that it won't be worse for you, for a believer, because you will be in heaven, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is as bad as it's going to get, you know, your life on earth. Okay, so— That was my my first thought.
0: Okay, I'm not going to— disagree because I do agree with you. And I agree well, I didn't with say John. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But okay. I'm going to I understand that. And I do I see exactly what he's saying. It's like, you know, because we're a believer, we're not going to go to hell. This is the most important Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Right. But we'll we'll have to say this that and you just throw this out. When Jesus came he kept talking about the kingdom of God was here. And when he said, Pray uh, and he gave the Lord's prayer, he said, Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, actually, so I about we're that not last night. To, yeah, we're not trying to make this heaven, of course not, because no. we know all this is going to go away. Right. But but we can experience the kingdom of God, because we have Jesus. Jesus yes. is our king. And so the kingdom of God is here in right. us. Right. And then we also are going to die, and we're going to go to um, right. and be with Jesus. So... Even though life is horrible down here, and even though this may be the most hell we'll ever experience, the greatest thing about this is we're we're still with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are with Jesus because Jesus said never leave you. So we have the spirit of Jesus in us. So as bad as life can be right here, we are still doing life with Jesus. What right. well, I think that's the alone. point.
1: I think that was like part of the point too, where it's not just the eternal perspective of that quote, but also the perspective of Whatever hardship you are going through, you are going through it with Jesus versus Mm -hmm. someone who's not a believer and going through hardship and going through it without him. Like, that would be so much harder Mm -hmm. in a version of hell on earth that, as a believer, we will never have to experience either. So it's—you know, like, I think that there's, like, part of that twofold of that where—and that is a good reminder of, like, yeah, we don't have to—and it goes back to what you're saying of, like, today matters— and mm-hmm. just like we can go we go through our days with him, whether if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, whether you acknowledge him or not, he's with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or whether you feel it or not, he's with you as a believer.
0: Oh, as a believer, yeah.
1: Yeah, I said that. <laughs> so yeah, like there's that both where it's like, okay, there's a hope for eternity, but there's also a hope in our day to day, which mm-hmm. honestly I don't live in that as very well. My other thought, it was more of just, it's actually a question. So when you say, like with the Thessalonians, they got quote unquote lazy and you know took it as like they weren't, you, you made the comment of they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And you may have said it differently, but that was basically what you said. What is that? Like, what is, what did they get lazy in doing? Like, what were they... You know what I mean? Like, put they weren't,
0: they weren't even working. They were not even, they weren't working. They weren't even like they weren't going to do their jobs. They were not. So, for um, us and not being late, like, what I'm just wanting, like, the application of that
1: of like, okay, like, if we don't, what should, and I say should lightly because I don't know, that could sound different than what I'm meaning it, but what should we be doing so that we are living? Our days. We should do right. Yeah,
0: we should do what we're supposed to do. If we're a wife, we should continue with the responsibility of being a wife. If you work, you should do have the responsibility of and do what you're supposed to do is your job and do it well, knowing that. So does uh, that what want to do everything of... with excellence? Your role in whatever position or what is, that you're in, uh, you should continue to do it. I, in First Lesson, uh, Thessalonians. You know, the very last chapter in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray consistently, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, meaning that whatever you're doing, you know, whatever you're in or wherever you are, this is where God wants for you. So whatever responsibilities that you have, whether it's with the government, whether it's, you know, um, with your family or friends or whatever, you just keep you live in a way that you are going to see God and that you want to represent Him well. And so you do it with excellence. You do it, you represent, and you want to glorify God in everything that you do. So as you're doing these things, you do it as unto God, knowing that one day you're going to see God. So you're saying, and maybe it's both and, but you're saying it's in how you,
1: I'm going to say perform, but it's in how, what you're doing. But it also, I would imagine, it's also like forgiving. It's... You know
0: Well, he asks us to forgive, he asks us to pray, he asks us or, to yeah, love.
1: like live like living a life of
0: honesty. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean you know mm-hmm. true like yeah. not deceiving or not causing dissension or not, you know, like all those kind of things. Like so it's not just and I know what you do flows out of your heart, but it so it's like all those things. I guess what I'm getting at, like I feel like it's not just you know, going to work every day, but it's going to work and living out of the spirit in terms of, you know, discipline is a fruit of the spirit,
0: right? Is it? Yes. Fruit of the well, let me tell you this. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For God has not called us to impuri- impurity, but to live in holiness. So not only has God called us to do our jobs or called us to be a good, you know, citizen of the United States or wherever whatever country anyone that's in on this conversation lives in, if God's placed us in a certain position, country, uh, relationships, whatever, we know that God has placed that, us there, then we are to do and glorify God in all of those things, in all those areas, but also that God's called us to live a life of holiness, and that is to forgive, to love, uh, to be compassionate. Well, there's, yeah, like there's self-control and there's... Self-control, yeah. Holiness. Yeah, um, Kindness, so, gentleness. Yeah. yeah. But he does talk about, you know, working and doing and, and taking care of what God has placed you in. I think Jesus mm-hmm. talked about the landlord and the person that went away, and he gave oh, the yeah. responsibility, you know, for the people to take care of the so of the homes. Yeah, well, no, it's land oh. land owner, but I mean oh. the same thing. I mean it's same parable teaches, you know, pretty much the same. Like being, well, it's being faithful. It's that whole principle to what God of God called you to. Yeah, it's like being faithful with little, and He will entrust you with
1: much. Basically, mm-hmm. kind of thing of like being faithful with, and stewarding well what He has put before us.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, if God has placed you in any kind of uh, whatever country you're in, whatever role you're in, whatever position you're in, and you're there, you've got to see that job not as a job, but as an opportunity to glorify God in whatever right. we do. Says so whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So that means anything. It means if you're a student, mm-hmm. it means you know. And then also, then God uh, really talks about the heart, and He really talks about our motivation and why we do it. And when we do it, we do it as unto the Lord. We want to be holy and and to reflect His glory, which we talked about is saying the glory of the Lord. And so for we Ezekiel. want to do that now as we're living, that everything we do, we bring honor and glory. Like I'm doing this as unto the Lord, not because I'm getting paid for it, but because God's asked me to do it. And to be faithful to that, to not cheat, to not get out of work or not do your responsibility. I mean, when you think about, well, you know, I'm going to do this unto God, God would want you to do it with excellence.
1: When I think it goes back to, I'm like thinking of like, well, that doesn't mean you can't take a day off work, which I know you are not saying yeah. that. But it's like, I think it goes back to the heart of the matter where it's like there's— really seeing everything with literally the eternal perspective in terms of, okay, God has given me this job or God has given me this role or given me this friendship or given me this child or this, I don't know, whatever, even
0: neighbor, I don't know. Right. I think as a follower of Jesus, if you, and especially if people know that you've proclaimed to be a follower of Jesus, I think you should do everything with excellence, whether that's your job. I don't, I mean, have you tried to get somebody work these days? I mean, it's very hard. If you would think that um, the Thessalonians had been had a pandemic and everybody was laid off and the government <laughs> was just going to pay them for their job, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's just like they just didn't want to, you know, do what they were supposed to do. And I think as as followers of Jesus, I think we should uh, do it with even, you know, go beyond, um, you know. Well, and even if you go back to, let's take it
1: all back to the beginning of the story in Genesis 1. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: God worked. And I think that's, you know, I know that we have to, like, work to survive and, you know, in terms of with money and putting food on the table and having a roof over our head and all that kind of stuff. But I do think we... If you look at the beginning, like, and that was, you know, God put Adam before the fall. God put Adam in charge Uh of working the field. Like there's an element of Uh like that there has to be because that was there before the fall, especially there has to be an element of that's good for us. Like in terms of you know not having idle hands, whatever that may mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we all. I mean, I am not. I do not have a green thumb to save my life, so I'm not going to plow anything <laughs> because yes. it will not be done with excellence. But so it's just saying. I just think like, I don't know. Sometimes work can feel like such a chore, mm-hmm. and and I'm, and. I don't know what to even say about all that, but I just feel like if we look at the, there has to be something there. I don't know what it is there, but just looking at Genesis one and two of like, okay, well, God worked. I mean, God created all this. Mm -hmm. He asked Adam to work, you know, and that was before the fall. So that's not, there was a goodness and pureness in that. Again, I don't know what the application is out of that, but I just thought I'd point it out.
0: Well, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity, especially right now in our world, where we are living in the time that people don't really want to work. They don't take a lot of pride in their work. They just want to get by and do what they need to have to do just to get a paycheck. And sometimes they don't want to work to get a paycheck. And I think as followers of Jesus that we should be different. I think we should be uh, live set apart. And, and if that means, it doesn't mean that you have to you know, work eighty hours a week. You right. work what is required and then but you do it in such a way that you do it with joy. You you look at that job or you look at your responsibility, you know, as until the Lord. I mean for me I, I remember, you know, when I was, you know, a mom and I was stay home. Well, you mom. still are a mom. Well I still am. But I was a stay <laughs> home mom. But you're which I still home, am. yeah yeah, and you know they say, "Well, what do you do?" You know, like, and I remember often feeling like, "Well, I don't really do anything." And then God, really began begin to really show me, like, "Wait a minute! I've got an opportunity. I have these kids at home. Yeah. This is this is an opportunity. That was the most important job I feel like on the planet. You know, I well, I do too, but n- the world doesn't necessarily right. see it that way. But I will just say that I feel like whether you work. Are you a mom? Are you stay-at-home mom? Are you mm-hmm. uh, work in a mom? Are you a single mm-hmm. mom? All of that. If you just thought to yourself, you yeah, know, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you do things for your kids and you do it just because you feel like you want to be a good mom, they may or may not appreciate it. They may not right. even see all the things right. that you do.
1: Well, they definitely don't if they're a one-year-old. You know, like they don't yeah. know what you're doing for them.
0: That's right. But, well, they think that you're there. Yeah. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's
1: like we're not saying work as in what you're getting paid for because that's not— Because I do think— that is a tendency to be like, oh, we're getting paid for it or whatever. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, you know, like you said, like it doesn't mean you work 80 hours a week because then you might probably would neglect, you know, your family something. or, mm-hmm. yeah, like something else that just is just as importance. So I think that there's an element of like balance and all that. And God also asked us to rest, you know, that was a command mm-hmm. where to rest and to take a Sabbath. And I just want to encourage
0: you, me, and whoever's listening that what we're doing we may not feel like makes any difference. Like, you know, does anybody really know what I have to put up with? Does anybody really see that what I'm doing is making a difference in anybody's life? But I think if you've lived with an eternal perspective and realize that Jesus sees, and one day he's going to come back and he's going to give an account, you're going to give an account and rewards for all that you've done. But to me, it's like— You do it as unto the Lord. I remember when Scott, your brother, Mm -hmm. uh, was doing was starting Champions United. You know, it was for help with the orphans or help with these uh, Mm -hmm. boys that were discipleship in in Uganda, and it's discipleship. And I remember saying, Scott, I've learned a long time. You don't do ministry for the people. Now you are you consider the people and you realize what do the people need, but. If your whole basis is doing things to, for the people, you're going to find yourself wanting the approval of the people. Right, it's doing it for You'll the want, Lord. For yeah, the, you yeah. want the applause of the people. But if you say, God, I'm doing this as unto you. I'm doing this, so I want to glorify you. I'm doing this because you've placed me in this position. So God, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. that you're my focus, and I'm going to do this for you. It It causes you to enjoy your job. It causes you to see that there's a bigger purpose. And you're not waiting for everybody to see uh, what you do and what you don't do. And you're upset because nobody's, you know, really uh, bragged on what you did. Yeah. and I do want to say this as a disclaimer
1: because everything, I feel like I was really... (laughs) My sweet potatoes are done. (laughs) (laughs) I was really didn't know what we're going to talk about with Thessalonians because I'm like, I got Mm -hmm. nothing to say about the Thessalonians, but I feel like I really enjoyed this conversation. But I will say, as a disclaimer, as someone who has struggled with depression pretty significantly, and this, I'm like thinking this in the back of my head where I'm like, there have been days that to put the dishes in the dishwasher feels like I'm trying to carry an elephant you know, across a football field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe those days my work was to really dig into the Lord to for healing or to like read script. I don't know. Like I think like there's I was just thinking of like if I heard this when I was struggling with that. I could tend to be like, because I already would beat myself up. of Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I got to get to this email. I got to do the dishes. I got to clean this. I got to, you know, all the things I need to do, but I physically can't because depression and anxiety and other mental illnesses or even just like grief, you know, like there's so many different things that can be paralyzing. But sometimes I think the work can be like your internal work, you know, like doing, I think that it encompasses all things. It's like work. Like actual work, labor, you know, all of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Your family, your relationships, you know, with your relationship with the Lord, like all of those things. But I do think, you know, like there's grace in those moments, and I think that it's not that you, you know, in order to be a good Christian, you have to like if you physically can't do something, it just may mean that your work may look different that day, and maybe it is just getting the dishes in the dishwasher is the success and what you need to be like okay i did like i did the best i can do today and it's because i think it's all about your heart too you know like and i know we've mm-hmm. said that where it's like if you know when you're if you're dealing with something along those lines it's like giving yourself that space but also
0: not you know
1: living in that Putting to be
0: yeah. You don't want to put a lot of guilt and shame that you're not doing enough again. Right. But again, if you're doing and saying, you know, God, I'm doing what I can do, um mm-hmm. God doesn't ask you to do more than right. than you're able to do. And I think that, you know, as I, I think about you know, you're talking about the depression and things like that. We all struggle moments of time. Some days better days than others. But well, I'm you know, talking it's about just, like chronic depression, not yeah. And then that's and that, that's yeah. another physical thing. I'm not, it doesn't matter if it's chronic or not. Right. Every single day, sometimes it, it makes it makes it might be hard yeah. for someone else to do whatever they need to do. One's not worse than the others. Some is right. more. Harder to deal with, but I, I just, I, as you were reading this, I mean, in talking about this, I just I just happened to glance down in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 16, it says, May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. And I think that God has been very faithful and that God has uh, given us the power within us to strengthen us. And some days we're stronger than others. But I think that as you begin to focus on, you know, the eternal perspective, like I am here and I have a purpose and have a reason to be here.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it is to glorify God. Now, how I glorify God, I may mean, do it doing the dishes. If I say, God, I'm doing this as unto you, I I don't feel like doing anything today. I don't even want to get out of bed. But you know what, God? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to dig deep where the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to ask you to strengthen me to do that. And you do it as unto the Lord. To me that's more glorifying to God when you're really depending on His strength to get you through one step at a time than it is if you feel like you could conquer the world in your own strength. And I think, you know, Paul just constantly says all the time that God is faithful and that He will strengthen you and He will guard you against the evil one. And I think that as we're in this world right now and having to struggle and stuff and and thinking with an eternal perspective, yes, and be so excited and think that, you know, this too shall pass— and I remember a time in my life when my mom died and Scott had had surgery and my dad was sick. All this stuff I kept, what got me through that year was just thinking this too shall pass. But I just think that for us as followers of Jesus, is, we don't want to just live like as if we're, we don't have any hope or we don't have any strength. But we see this as an opportunity to say, God, I'm just going to dig deep down where the Holy Spirit is. And even though I don't feel like getting up and even though I don't feel like I'm doing anything and my life doesn't seem like I, I'm making a difference mm-hmm. in the world I have you and, and you're my hope and you're my strength and I think with that that's how you live with an eternal perspective every mm-hmm. single day with the mindset that there is a God and that He loves us and He's going to strengthen us to do whatever He's called us to do
1: mm-hmm. you're new I actually like Thessalonians
0: now there you go <laughs> can't wait till you get there <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, Dot Bowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.
0: In uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 16, it says, May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. And I think that God has been very faithful and that God has uh, given us the power within us to strengthen us. And some days we're stronger than others. But I think that as you begin to focus on, you know, the eternal perspective, like I am here and I have a purpose and have a reason to be here. Mm-hmm. And it is to glorify God. Now, how I glorify God, I may mean, do it, doing the dishes. If I say, God, I'm doing this as unto you, I I don't feel like doing anything today. I don't even want to get out of bed. But you know what, God? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to dig deep where the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to ask you to strengthen me to do that. And you do it.